Is your money working as hard as it could be for your future? A decade ago, Robinhood changed the investment landscape when they pioneered commission-free stock trading. Today, they continue to offer innovative products to help users build a better financial future, like IRAs, ETFs, options for qualified traders, and much more. Take control of your financial future with Robinhood. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. That's Robinhood.com. Disclosures. Investing involves risk. Other fees may apply. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIP. PC is a registered broker dealer. Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I'm Neil Fryman. And I'm Toby Howell. On today's pod, no news. We've got a special episode lined up to discuss listeners' startup ideas with two incredible guests. From niche BMW marketplaces to hair vacuums, we'll cover some of the best and worst ideas that you all submitted. It's Friday, November 10th. Let's ride. Tomorrow is Veterans Day here in the United States, but since it takes place on a Saturday, it's observed as a federal holiday today. First of all, before we start the show, a huge shout out and thank you to all the veterans of the U.S. Armed Forces on your special day. Since this is not a typical day, we are not doing a typical podcast. We brought on Tara Reed and Money with Katie to chat about entrepreneurship, specifically the startup ideas you've graciously sent in to us. Tara and Katie host Bossy, a new podcast from The Brew that focuses on female leadership and business building. So if there's anyone who has a good instinct for the next unicorn startup, it's them. So let's get into it. Katie and Tara, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So you two have this new show out called Bossy. Amazing content. I highly recommend. But that word bossy evokes a lot of emotions in people. Mm-hmm. How did you land on that as a name for the show? Well, I love that you highlighted that it, it evokes a lot of emotion because I <laughs> yeah. think that's, that's kind of why we picked it. Um, just, you know, the, the funny way in which young girls that tend to exhibit leadership qualities quickly get labeled as bossy. And so we're like, what could we what could we do there? Because there's a bit of a double entendre, I think. Yeah. And I think we were just playing with reclaiming that word. And, and we are bosses in our own businesses. And we're really talking about leaning into your inner boss on our show. I love that, and I love that we have the two uh, the bossy <laughs> hosts themselves in studio with yeah. us, yeah. and we got a and we got a great show ahead of us. Yeah. So here out how it's going to work. Uh, Toby and I are going to give a quick elevator pitch of a startup idea from one of our listeners, and then we'll have a little discussion among the four of us around it. And at the end, Tara and Katie, you're going to have to say whether you're in or you're out on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Great. So here we go. The first idea comes from listener Peter Slivich. He is creating a social media based marketplace specifically. Four, BMW M models. Mm. The word niche is overused these days, but I'd say it's pretty appropriate here. Yeah. The community called M List has gained thousands of followers across Instagram and Facebook, and Peter claims the demand for such a marketplace is immense among enthusiasts. It does not charge any money to list or promote listings, and he aims to make money from donations or sponsorships. Katie, you're an aspiring M series owner. Would you <laughs> join M List? You know what? I think so. I like this idea a lot. I think first and foremost, because the the clientele he's after, the users he's going after are very, they very like low price sensitivity. Yeah, so, they that so they are ready to spend. Right. And they're they're enthusiasts. If you're going to buy an M series BMW, you are ready to spend money. You know what you're doing. And you're probably really into cars in that particular car. So I think this is a really valuable niche to go after. What do you think? What do you think an M-Series costs? 
Oh gosh, I actually don't know because it every single BMW they make comes in like, but it's the like M a pricier model. BMW. It's, like it's souped yeah. up version. Yep, yep. I really love how scrappy Peter's been with like creating the first version mm-hmm. of this product. Right, did straight to social media, got followers, and was like, doesn't even have a website yet. Doesn't really matter. I yep. love that. It reminds me so much. And I actually looked on his Instagram. So if you click on the link on the Instagram, it opens up this like Google form where you fill out information about the car, like your mm. needs. And I love just using just like off the shelf tools, things you already have to get something going. Both of you have created communities kind of around your uh, brands in the past. Do you think that this one has the chance to be monetized in its current state, or do you think it has to get bigger? Right now, he says there's around 7,000 followers across platforms. Do you think he can start monetizing right now? So it reminds me quite a bit of this guy named Doug DeMuro. Have y'all heard of him? I've seen him, yeah. Okay, so he was just a YouTube car reviewer, but he was super enthusiastic. People loved his recommendations. They really trusted him. He built cars and bids, and so it he basically built a car marketplace, like a, a Carvana or a CarMax, um, but I think they're doing like 300 million in revenue a year. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So I think that even though this is going to be a much smaller population because you're just talking about one specific type of one specific brand, these are high intent people, right? And they're they're really into what they're they're buying and selling. So I kind of think that would be potentially the most lucrative route as opposed mm-hmm. to an advertising model. But I think an advertising model could work. I, I don't know that I love the donation model. I feel like you probably I, have thoughts about that. I definitely don't love the no. donation model, right? So he said he wants to make money primarily from donations. I think there are some people who can do this, like who pull this off. Wikipedia pulls <laughs> yeah. this off as a business model. They're a foundation. They have like millions, hundred maybe $150 million in revenue. And on average, people pay $15 as their donation. But you got to get a lot of $15 They're at a so time. And, and ask a lot. <laughs> yeah. And ask a lot. Like so when you go thirsty. on Wikipedia, it's like yeah. huge space at the very top. Yeah. You've got to like scroll to get past it. I don't know that we want like donations to be the business model of this, particularly when the customers are willing to pay. Like mm-hmm. it's not like your customers don't have willingness to pay. They've got high willingness mm-hmm. to pay. So I think I like the advertising business model over the donations for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is such good All right, so Peter. what I'm hearing is maybe you're in, but you'd like to have a strategic advisory role to, <laughs> to discuss monetization on Peter's board. I do yeah. think commissions would be huge commissions on the sales. I think you could do a pretty good business. I also think that there's a lot of accessories in this space. Like my dad bought a used BMW at one point, and he was always tinkering with it in the garage. And there were so many, like the 303 wipes and all the different cleaning things. And he's like rewiring the speakers. And so I think that like those are very niche advertisers that are probably going to have a hard time reaching that audience any other way. So I I think it could work that way, too. So much of a business's success is about the founder being willing to get out of their own way and do the thing to charge the money. So I think provided that we had a conversation with Peter and he was open to that, I'm in. (laughs) This is the conversation, Peter, right there. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. up next is an idea for an app that centralizes influencers discount code from Bridge Bullard. Here's their spiel. We all see those shameless plugs for influencer sponsors, but how often do we actually stop in that moment and use their code? We need an app that can pull influencer discount codes, centralize all of them, and apply them to a product when you're checking out. It'll be perfect for selling ads directly on the app as well, since people will be on it in buying mode already. Katie and Tara, as somewhat of influencers yourselves, what are your thoughts on this? 
I think as a product, it's a really straightforward one to build. I teach people how to build mm -hmm. apps, and so I know this space really well. I think there's a huge opportunity in analytics and tracking. So if you, whenever you have data and numbers around what people click when they're interested in buying, how mm -hmm. many times that they click, you can really set that up to monetize. So I like that, and I also think you can use these like off-the-shelf no-code app building tools to get something like this built in like a week or two. So you like the data side of it a lot. I like the data side of it a lot, and I like the ease of getting it out mm -hmm. to customers. And I think I like also that influencers are also going to be willing to participate right. in this too. Mm -hmm. And there's a good monetization opportunity there. I love that. Katie? I think it occurred to me that it strikes me as being very similar to Honey, right. which mm -hmm. makes money off commissions. I think the opportunity to differentiate for influencers and the capitalizing on the creator economy is very interesting. But I do think it's a double-edged sword because typically these brands that work with influencers work with a lot of them and they're going to give everybody the same oh. discount. So I think you're going to have a, a, you know, a handful of brands that are going to have 50 codes and then every other brand that's not doing influencer marketing isn't going to have any. So I think that that could be a challenge, but I do think that there's an opportunity to capitalize on that a little bit. If you were to get, you know, the network effects and the scale of getting enough users on the platform, you could theoretically have it be a bit of a pay to play where the influencers have to get, mm -hmm. you know, give you a little bit of money to float their code to the top so that theirs is the first one in the list that pops up. That's I could Yelp's see that working. Business model. Yelp right. does that really mm -hmm. well. So you like claim your yeah. business. It's already there. Probably you claim it and then you can promote it to the top. So that's interesting. Yeah. You guys have said on your show that if no one's building in the space, then it's probably not a good sign. So yeah. even though there are things like Honey out there and I mean, I guess Yelp out there as well, it does seem like this person is on onto something with this. Yeah, but they've got a niche perspective right. on it. We say like, the riches are in the niches, we right? Is that. it niche yeah. or niche? I say niche, but I say niche. I try to not say the word at all. That's a better stance. Yeah. Okay, so businesses, though. All right, so are you in or out on this uh, this coupon? I'm in on this. Situation. I think I'm I'm in provided it. It's like a like a browser plugin or like an aggregator, mm -hmm. a site. I think an app that is itself shoppable mm -hmm. is up. I don't actually know how you would execute that. All right. Okay, this next idea is also in the creator space. It's an OnlyFans-style platform for learning, and it's from Mendel Vogel. On the one hand, you have influencers on TikTok and Instagram educating people about topics in their wheelhouse. And on the other side, you have bigger subscription education sites like Udemy. You combine these forces together into a creator-friendly platform that allows people to actually feel connected to the person you're learning from. So it seems like a play to democratize education. What do you think? I feel like this one's a bit of an uphill battle only because I think your competitive set is Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, these sites that have billions of monthly active users. I think that's going to be really tough. I also am a little concerned that the creators that have the big audiences or who will have the big audiences probably want to own the means of production a little bit more. So I almost would think about this more in the in the realm of like a a riff on something like Kajabi, those course hosting platforms that already exist, but maybe with some enhanced features and functionality that are going to allow a little bit more direct interaction. But I, I do, I think it's going to be tough to compete with like the social media heavy hitters. Not just social media heavy hitters, but also all the Kajabis and all the education yeah. platforms too. I think that 
AI is going to really disrupt mm -hmm. this space. I think it's going to happen in two different mm -hmm. places. One, I think educators are going to be using AI a lot more for like the activities, the lessons, the ways that you learn. Instead of you having to do a bunch of lessons, it generates things for you. But also, I think we're going to see a lot more of like you just talking to the AI character and it teaching you or influencing you or talking to you. Mm -hmm. And I have this feature actually that I have access to. You guys have access to this on Instagram where you can chat with someone about your like common interests. Do you, have you seen that? We've talked about it, but I don't have interest. I don't have the access I don't have yet. It's a little, it's strange. Okay, so I'll tell you why it's strange and why it relates to this. So you see a bunch of famous faces. Mm -hmm. um, there's like Charlie D'Amelio on there right. and you click on it, but it's not actually Charlie. It's somebody else's name and you chat with them, but they like dancing or they like social media, right? I think this is Instagram lining themselves up to make this available to influencers mm -hmm. so that they can now chat with everybody. You get your own like Toby bot. You get to like just chat with them. And I think that the social media platforms are coming for this space hard. Mm -hmm. And so I'm out only because it's just so easy to get trampled by Facebook. Yeah, but okay, so the example that this person cited was Miss Excel, for instance, mm -hmm. yeah. who is a great educator, and some people really have a ton of affinity towards her, so mm -hmm. don't you think that someone would pay to chat with her one-on-one, -on -one, get that one-on-one -on -one, uh, kind of attention, and that having a platform that facilitates that really easily would be something that Miss Excel would like as well? Yeah. Or do, you, or do we think that it's still just a little too, uh, uh, competitive of a space, like a you're you're saying chatting with the real Miss Excel, yeah, the real like Miss the real well, person, the, the real Miss Excel. I think we're yeah. so close to the space where chatting with the real is just going right. to be AI. Same. Like that's not scalable for Miss Excel to right. do. Past like she probably yeah, has the team helping with her emails on mm -hmm. their own. Right. So I think we're just we're so close to just the chat being the AI conversation, and that's so easy to just get like disrupted on. I do think the opportunity here though is white labeling. Mm. So like white labeling is like you take the app, you take the your logo off of the app and put the customer, someone who wants to have their own version of the app, you put Miss mm -hmm. Excel's logo okay. on it. So now Miss Excel has her own white labeled version of the app that is hers. I think that is competitive because now I don't have to share all of my data with Instagram and now I don't own it. I get all the email addresses, all right. the phone numbers of everybody who wants to text and chat with me. That I think is an interesting angle in and people will pay premium price points for that white labeled product. I like that. I think you can help with that too, right? <laughs> We, we just talked like about it. on the show about how uh, the rise in homeschooling and how uh, everything, you know, the, the traditional public education system is being disrupted right now. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about the, the effects of AI and technology on that. It was more about the politics coming into schools. Mm, but, you know, hearing you, it's like I'm thinking, man, AI is going to change everything about education with the personal tutors and chatbots and things like that. Okay, this final idea is from Kelly Walker, and it is Carfax for horses. <laughs> she says, I want to create something similar to Carfax, but for horses. This will make purchasing a horse more convenient by being able to pull the history of the horse and know past injuries and illnesses. Usually when purchasing a horse over $5,000, you would do what's called a PPE, which is a pre-purchase exam, mm -hmm. which includes things like x-rays and blood tests, but doesn't cover all previous industry in injuries or illnesses. This would be huge in the equestrian industry. However, and this is her saying, I am stuck on how to get going and how to find funding. Katie or Tara, I don't know if either one of you guys are horse lovers and want to jump in and grab this, but what advice do you have for Kelly? 
So I actually have a few friends who are I, horse lovers, horse girls, horse girls, <laughs> horse, girls. <laughs> horse girls, if you will. I think they would love this. Um, so I know the question is more about how to get started. It sounds like she knows that it's a good idea, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, I think I just want to highlight. You know, this is a very stressful purchase, and, and and stressful in a way that like buying a car really isn't because there's a living creature involved. So that kind of elevates the it ups the ante a little bit. Um, but it's also an infrequent purchase, also like a car. So it's not like you're going to have a lot of repetitive customers. Most likely, it's probably going to be one and done every few years. I don't know how often do you so. buy horses. <laughs> I think people. I think it's rare that someone just has one horse. No, if you have That's a horse, true. you got a couple I didn't know horses. that you owned your own horse for equestrian just competition. Like I thought you go to a ranch or something, and you, you know, your Not. horse lives there, and you just go, yeah, rent it or lease it or Uber for horses. I think when you're uh, serious, I feel, I feel icky Uber. about yes, this. When you're serious, a... you own the horse. I mm-hmm. think. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So oh. uh, what I think is important to say about getting started because the question was where do I get started and also how do I get funding what came immediately after and so quickly we tack those things together I think the main thing you should do and get started is not go try to get funding and to figure out how to get some revenue generated first Mm -hmm. when you go get funding first you have to determine the value of the company and you don't even know what you have yet so it's way too early to price the value of the company Mm -hmm. um, and also give away equity I think that because this is like a high price point purchase just the horses $5,000 plus, plus, right? People are willing to pay money in this process. I think Carfax makes money by like selling you the report. And I think it's maybe like a $39, $59 report. Even if you just did like that kind of price point, you need like 1,700 customers to make $100,000 with this idea. So I think like the idea is to get going and actually maybe go find some people, go on LinkedIn, go on social media, find people who are like horse lovers, horse owners, message them and DM them. I know that feels uncomfortable to do it, but that's how you start a business, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You like start talking to people about it and go get some customers and ask them like, hey, is this something you're willing to pay for? Because I don't think you should go for funding first. It sounds like Kelly from the horses needs to talk to Peter from the BMW yeah. and maybe <laughs> talk to each other, get some get some pointers. Because yeah, yeah, that's kind of what you're describing, right? There's yeah. this concept, the MVP, the minimum viable product. So we had talked on Bossy about how sometimes when you have an idea for a business and you're not really sure how to execute the grandest version of that business, starting in a consulting or a services framework can be really useful because then to Tara's point, you're talking to your ideal customers, you're getting a sense for how much they're willing to pay for it. You don't really need some complicated tech stack because you're really just communicating with someone. And she had mentioned in her question about the microchipping process. So it occurs to me that part of the startup confusion might be around how does she access that data? I think that might be a bit of a roadblock, but I think that even talking with vets and making making connections with, you know, these these horse vets mm-hmm. could also be a, a source of, of um, intel for her. And just starting like regionally or starting in her area first and not worrying about, okay, how would I do this for the entire country? But how can I do this for like my city and the the people that are buying horses here? Start small, get bigger from there. Great advice. Okay, guys, that was fun, but we're going to take a quick break. And right after it, we're going to do a rapid fire round. 
All right, we're going to move on to our next segment, and we're going to go a little bit more rapid fire. We're going to give you a brief description of a business idea, and I want you two to give me your one or two sentence review on whether or not they're onto something or not. No pressure, but whatever you say about these ideas could shape the entire futures of some MVD listeners. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Are you two ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, up first we have tofu chip tofu chips from dove his reasoning is that they can be any flavor have a ton of protein and a great taste and texture if seasoned well one sentence thoughts on tofu chips why not <laughs> i've been thinking more about the business model than the actual <laughs> food i think it's hard to produce and cpg's hard okay so they they're a little iffy mm -hmm. on tofu chips okay will little proposed a yoga mat that rolls up into a foam roller so two for one exercise deal I feel like both of those items are pretty cheap, so I feel like people are probably just going to get both, but I don't even know what you use a foam roller for. Toby, you, Toby yeah. show me how to use it, but you put it against Toby your muscle and you press really hard oh. and it like gets the knots out. You're rolling on it on the ground, like you lay down, it's great for like your hammies or something. I feel like my yeah. boyfriend would love this though, he'd just like roll it it's around loving It's definitely the same it. style, person, style of customer. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's also, yeah, you can get both very easily right. as well. Okay, up next, um, Kelly Everly has an idea for a refill shop. You go there to refill shampoo bottles, hand soap, basically anything that it's empty and can be refilled. Oh, I love this as a B2B idea. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Ooh. Less for consumer, but more for like oh. if I have um, a bunch of Airbnbs, if I have like a cleaning oh. service even, Ooh. like that's really interesting. I think sustainability is very hot right now, so I'm in. Yeah, I'm just thinking of those balsamic vinegar or olive oil <laughs> stores in very touristy areas where they have the big vats and you fill them up and instead of olive oh, oil, it's just shampoo and lotion. I, I like That's that. a very fancy version of it, the balsamic. Okay. Okay. This is one I ha I don't have any insight into, but a hair vacuum that takes all the hair out when you're brushing your hair so it doesn't get on the brush. Absolutely. I'm into it. <laughs> Wait, so it doesn't get on the brush. Functionally, I'm confused. I know. Does it? Exist? Wait, I missed that part. So it doesn't get on the brush. It's, it's literally it's a vacuum. Sucking you, it I thought about head. when you go to the dentist and they're, you know, they have the suck going on at the same time, so it takes all the liquid out. I've seen this product, and it's sort of like it almost like oh. there's like a hair straightener, and it like pulls, and as it pulls, it straightens your hair. So there's no brush involved. You just like stick your hair yeah. in it, and it like does. This Is thing. it Dyson? Doesn't Dyson already have that? The... I'm sure, well, if they, <laughs> if they're listening, it, yeah. they're gonna come up with the $500 version of it. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I like it. Okay, I like it. We're in. I'm here for it. Okay, Alondra has an idea for a service that deletes videos <laughs> and pictures of your ex off your social media accounts for you. <sighs> I believe very firmly that like you should not feel that angsty about oh. your breakup and like you both were adults, it didn't work out, but you can still have love. So like I'm not into the anger about that I gotta delete them. Such a mature stance on that. I... I'm here for the petty, <laughs> so I'm in. <laughs> it is so nice, because sometimes you don't want to go and relive all those bad memories, so it just wipes it all for you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, AI, face recognition technology. I yeah, you could totally do it. Yeah. Okay, Danny Grimmig suggests a grocery management app that keeps a digital database of what is in your fridge and Ooh. pantry. When you go to create a grocery list, you are able to select a meal from a recipe database, and the app will create the grocery list for you, taking into account what you already have in your kitchen. I would love that. 
Are you a home cook? You cook yeah, at home a lot? that would be okay. huge. That would be huge. I don't know how you're going to build it, but I'm into it. Just take a picture. How many times have I gone to the grocery store and got something that I have in my pantry just oh. because I was too lazy to look? I Weekly. have 14 ketchup bottles in my, <laughs> in my fridge right now. The one thing I will say is I hear this idea very frequently, right. and it's hard to like get it into market. It's not hard to make. It's really easy to make. It's hard to like get people going with it. I can say, personally, I would never spend the time writing down the inventory of what I have. I think you That's just not picture, something though. I would spend my time could, on. Couldn't you take a picture and then AI, AI, AI would index it for you? Now we're talking. You think my pantry is clean enough that where it's able to, yeah, you to recognize to what is that? anything? Right. No. Face all labels. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Up next. This one's hilarious. Lauren Hill wrote simply chair pants. I would admit, no other context, just chair pants. Unicorn. So do with that what you will. Chair pants. What's a chair pants? That's what I'm trying to it's think. What does it mean? that you can, if you sit back, there's like legs that pop out and you can, you just have a chair anywhere. How you could call it work? chair Okay, I'm, I'm here for the, the fashion over the function, so I'm a no on the chair pants. They don't sound that cool. It doesn't sound cool or comfortable at all. At all. Although the hey, one, it's a know what though? Thing. Trends, yeah, trends come and go. Yeah. I feel like if Kim K started wearing some chair, chair pants, pants, they'd be hot real quick. If Joel Embiid starts wearing Skechers on an NBA court. Yeah, then chair pants. <laughs> Skechers has done a great job with that rebrand. Yeah. Right. yeah. But this is what I was thinking about. There's been some sample sales out in front of our office where people go there and wait for hours and some people forget chairs. You bring your chair pants. You just <laughs> you just sit down right on your chair pants and then you, you wait for the sample sale line to go. Concert. So it's a very, very uh, niche market. It's functional. All right. This final one is from Aditya. It's called Side Chick and it's a food truck that sets up next to Chick-fil-A when it's closed on Sundays. That would make a lot of money. I think that is <laughs> that would make a lot of fantastic. I think that's the best business idea I've heard in a long time. That's funny. You got to admit, that's, it's great. that's an interesting one too because I feel like Chick Fil A might come for you for the oh, name, but absolutely. they may not be able to because Side they Chick can't own that. And they, they, I mean, what could they really, what could they really come after you for? Because they don't yeah. even sell the chicken on Sundays. It's not like you're a competitor. Yeah, but I feel like they, this person is imagining they set up in the parking lot, which doesn't feel legal. You'd have to set up near it. <laughs> you you can get a nearby license to have your food yeah, truck there. I, I think crush. if you After get forgiveness, not permission. This is a real one. estate game, but like so is McDonald's business model. So like I think this is a good one. Side chick, love it. Okay, for our final segment, Neil and I have both come up with an idea for you guys to either roast or to toast. We'll both present our ideas and you guys give your feedback, and then at the end you decide who you'd invest in. It's not a competition, but it might be. All right, Neil, I won the pre-show game of cribbage, so I'm up first. <laughs> And my idea is a social recommendations app. So I came up with this idea because so many people tell us that they heard about Morning Brew Daily through one of their friends. I'm sure you guys have heard this from bossy <laughs> listeners as well. Friends are great sources of recommendations. So I want to make an app where I can follow people specifically for their recommendations. There would be kind of an evergreen tab where I can see Neil's top Thai restaurants in New York City or a wallet that Tara loves or Katie's favorite running shoes, as well as more timely recommendations like what you guys thought of the Barbie movie or the new Drake album. So it's a little bit like Pinterest meets Instagram meets just just general influencing. So sharks, with so much stuff out there all the time, curation is becoming more valuable than ever. So my app called, I guess, Curate, is meeting that demand. I'm selling 51% of the company for 20 bucks. <laughs> are you in or are you out? <laughs> I'm in. 
All right. Something's wrong if you're selling 51%. That means you have low faith in it. I don't have a lot of faith in it. Oh. <laughs> I, I was in until the See, 51% year. This is a great idea. Thank like, you. I really do. Because the word of mouth thing is huge. And no one has really been able to figure out how to monetize word of mouth. And so if you could also make money, like if normal people, not just influencers, mm-hmm. could make money off of their recommendations, I think people would yeah. use it. Yeah. I think it's a really good idea, too, actually. By the way, I was joking at you. I, I think it's a really good idea. I think there's a lot of different ways to monetize it. And I think also people who are influencers, so many people who want to be mm-hmm. influencers, too, that, like, there's so much monetization there. I think it's super smart. I just think you shouldn't give away 51%. I know. I know. I'm, I'm giving you guys a bargain. I love that you yeah. went there, though. I know. It's I a friends that and family great. deal. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, I think it signals, friends. as an investor, it signals something's wrong for me. Oh, I Because then I'm going to own, you know. A decimal points. It was $2 million, uh, oh, not 20 bucks. Right. That's a good idea, Toby. It's not as good as mine. Uh, mine is called Shop For Me, and it's a two-sided marketplace that matches people who are less stylistically inclined with others who love shopping, especially if it's not their money. I think there's demand for this from both sides. A ton of guys I know, myself included, want to look good, but don't either know where to start or don't want to invest the time actually shopping. And when I've complained about this in the office, <laughs> many people have chirped up to say, oh, I'd love to shop for you. So imagine if they could do that and make money as a side hustle. So it'd be an app where I'd choose a general style, select a budget, and I'd get matched up with a shopper who'd either recommend clothes to me from an e-commerce platform or we'd go physically shopping together and you meet a new friend along the way. And I suppose it's the next evolution of Stitch Fix or other online personal styling services, but instead of a company choosing your clothes from a limited number of brands, you match up with a real person who has the world's inventory at their disposal and you can build a relationship with. feel like if you're a good stylist, you'd be able to make a lot of money from this and it'd be a huge help to people like me to offload clothing decisions to someone who knows what they're doing. I'm asking for a $20 million investment for 2% of the company at a $1 billion valuation. <laughs> See, now whose idea do you I, like? I know. <laughs> okay, I think the idea is great. I actually have, I regularly am on Pinterest and I have Pinterest boards for all of right. my friends where when I because I like to just scroll and shop and so I make Pinterest boards for my friends with ideas so I think I would use it as a consumer on both sides mm-hmm. right to have people pick for me and I would pick for other people um, I like it as a business idea a lot I don't know about the valuation, but I like the business idea. Katie, what do you think? I agree. I have actually also had that same thought of like, I want someone to dress me. I don't want to be the one that has to make these decisions. Um, I think I think the only potential hiccup that I see is that I don't know how often, like, would you have a lot of Mm. repeat customers or is it going to be, it it would be interesting just to see how people use it, right? Like, are you going to get like one big new wardrobe or are you going to every other weekend, like, hey, I need an outfit for this event, which if it's the latter, I think you might be on to something. <laughs> I was thinking, to, you know, Toby and I went to a lot of weddings this summer, and we were always like, "Oh my god, we need a tuxedo now. Yeah. We need a, we need another suit." Like, I, I also have this Saturday night function, so I was thinking it in terms of those events as Recurrent. well as just yeah. like, "Yeah, well, winter's coming. I got to get winter's you know sweaters coming. or whatever else people wear in in it, the winter." It could be the thing you mentioned the relationship aspect. If you like your shopper, yeah. then it could be the thing where you send your shopper fits, and they say, "Hey, I mean, you pay them five bucks per month or something for." Uh, advice on hey, I yeah. 
date coming up, which outfit should I put together? So maybe it is like this ongoing kind of subscription. And as a shopper, you have like all your little minions asking you yeah. for advice all the time. This is yeah. one of the challenges Rent the Runway has to figure out with their business model. Right. They have two different versions of their mm. plan. One is like an ongoing subscription and the other is just like just one time for a four day rental or an eight, eight day rental for a wedding kind of thing. Mm. I think in general, you want the customer that's not going to do the just for the wedding just right. one time. Right. Stick yeah. here. Yeah. All right. We have to end it wait, there. Wait, who are they investing in? Though? Oh, you yes. You guys have to make your decision. No pressure, but. Well, I have I have a hundred dollars. Okay, perfect. So I'm gonna split it fifty fifty wow, between very you. diplomatic. <laughs> I'm going with Neil's idea. Yeah, Neil. Let's All go. Right. Quit the job. You now. have fifty dollars though to <laughs> to invest in your you have, company. You have half my company. Uh, I do not have an entrepreneurial bone. So listen to you all. It's it's very enlightening. Uh, but we do have to end it there. What a blast. Thank you both for joining us. And to our listeners, definitely go check out Bossy wherever you get your podcast for the, all these insights and more. And I hope that some of you are at least inspired to take the leap and move forward on the business idea you've been keeping secret for so long. Let us know what you thought about this show at our email, morningbrewdaily at morningbrew.com. Let's roll the credits. Emily Milliron is our editor and producer. Samantha Velas is our associate producer. Uchenawa Ogu is our technical director. Billy Menino is on audio. Hair and makeup is leading the Series A in Shop For Me. New I can count on you. <laughs> Devin Emery is our chief content officer, and our show is a production of Morning Brew. Katie Tara, thanks for joining us. I wish you all well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.